oh God, you, um, you've shown so much mercy. Um, and I, I think that was just so evident last night. Mercy on these, these boys not to keep getting in the trouble they were getting into, but to be stopped and that we could just touch their shoulder and remind them that, that we, that you are there for them. God, I pray this morning that, again, uh, uh, we will hear from you. God, we will listen. Uh, God, we'll hear your your big truths of who you are and and the way you're communicating your love and your life into our lives. But as we walk in obedience to you, it can be small things like, go to this restaurant, I'm going to show you how awesome I am. God, that we we would listen and we would obey. I pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay, so I wrote you guys a letter, and I'm going to read it to you. And this is how it goes. Dear Refuge Church, what I'm writing to you is a reminder. I'm not writing about something new. It is about something we've experienced together. Some might call it old news by now, but it isn't. It is just as important today as it ever was. As a matter of fact, it's the only way to truly live. You once believed this because you saw it too. What we have read about in the Bible actually happened before our eyes. All the things that God had talked about in the Old Testament actually happened, and we are living witnesses to that fact. I'm writing to remind you of what we saw so we can enjoy remembering it together. When God did all these things, it was to include us in the relationship he has with his son. And it makes me so excited to write you about these things. Here is what was clear to us when we first believed God. God doesn't compromise. God is not weighed down by wrongdoing like we are. All his ways are pure and right. His heart is completely good. Because of this, we can't just walk up to God and spend time with him on our own terms. What it means is this. If we think that we can do whatever we want and still have a relationship with God, we are only fooling ourselves. We have done so many things to screw up having a relationship with God. If we claim to to just be fine, then we are blind to how far we've really fallen. The only way up from here is to be honest and admit the ways that we've hurt our relationship with God and others, and that that has caused deep separation. When we come to God and empty our hearts before him, admitting what we've done, he is so merciful and so ready to forgive. However, if we aren't honest about the situation, we'll remain separate. The death of Jesus, the Son of God, shows that God is not just out to get us. Jesus' death was the separation that we deserved. That is how serious the problem of separation sin causes is. God took sin, that separation, so seriously he would send his son. But will we take it that seriously also? Period. Question mark, actually. That's the starting of the book of John. I'm writing to you guys about something that is familiar, because we've all experienced it together. We've known it. Um, Do you remember? 
And, and John's writing again because there's something that, uh, that at one point was so clear, but, but over time, what was so clear and so awesome uh, has become something that we've just forgotten, neglected, not cared about, and let other things uh, sway the way that we think. And so when we talk about God, we talk about Jesus, it includes so much of our own thinking, it's not really what God's communicating to us anymore. And so, and so from that beginning, we come to the question that is so important, which is this, do you even know him? Do you know him at all? Or is there, is there so many other truths, so many other things we've let come into our lives that now, when we talk about him, or when we share stories about him, or when we come to church, do we know him? Do we experience him? Or is it just talk? The events that John is talking about are not events that are up for grabs or up for your own interpretation. They are facts that happened, and those facts can't be interpreted a lot of ways. What Jesus came for, this incredible event of God invading earth in the person of Jesus Christ, (laughs) isn't something you get to choose what that means. God gets to choose what that means. And so as John's reminding us of that, he's reminding why that happened. What's so special about that and what John reminds us of is that <laughs> that it is n- normal, it's nat- natural, it's relatable, it's personal. He reminds us that when Jesus came, it wasn't something that was so otherworldly and, and distant that we could just stand at a distance and go, well, that's cool what God's doing, but it was, it was normal because Jesus walked among us. <laughs> it was natural because he was born of a woman and, and had to eat food, and, and it said it was tempted in every way like any other human being was. It was relatable because Jesus spoke in such a way that people understood what he was saying and they liked it and they wanted him to come around more. That was if you weren't a religious person, right? You wanted him to come around more. <laughs> if, if, you, if you were the person who thought, your whole life, okay, yeah, I know what God is, and, and, and sort of define that yourself. You didn't like Jesus because Jesus was too normal. And John goes, remember that. Remember that what we have seen from the, the beginning and what, what came and we saw in Jesus. I want to remind you of this because it's something that God's doing, but it seems so ordinary. But what we've done is we have defined it ourselves. And so where we are in 1 John is this. It's this place. Uh, it's time to have the DTR. If you don't know what a DTR is, you haven't been in college for a long time. Because I learned in DTR, DTR is defining the relationship. So there comes a point in relationships, where you have to have the DTR. And it's very uncomfortable. (laughs) Because up to that point, you can go on a lot of dates with your favorite friend and, and hang out. But until you have the DTR, you really don't know where you stand. Right? You can be like, I think she likes me. But until you have the DTR... You don't know if you're an item or not, okay? And so what we've got to in the book of 1 John is is John 
defining the relationship. Because here you have these people who he's writing to that would define their relationship with God as being awesome. But what John is saying is, do you know him? Do you really know him? Before the DTR, all you can say about the relationship is, yeah, we like hanging out. Like, I know she uses chopsticks when we eat Chinese food. That's cool. Um, but there's, you can only point to things or suggest things, but, but is there commitment there? Is this a relationship that both of you are going, I, I see the worth of it and I want to invest in it? And so John's clarifying this for us. Um, what this reminds me of is... Um, is people I've talked to, and and I've been in this place in my own life, I think even, where where I realize when I'm called on to explain my relationship with God, there's definite distance there. Um, And I think as John's reminding them of, of where they were, remember when you talked about him and he was so near. Remember when you first believed and, and you were so passionate about it? Remember when you, you lived sacrificially because the worth of who Jesus was filled up all your needs? Remember when you prayed passionately because you saw how Jesus worked in your life and you were so convinced he could work in other people's lives just like that? Remember that. And, and then there comes this point when, when we walk down that path for a long time and we realize we are just... We're, we're carrying with us more and more of our own understanding of what it means and separating ourselves from actually walking with him. And so when someone goes, oh, you're a Christian, you're like, like Peter, maybe who denied Jesus three times, going, yeah. Um. <laughs> Do you know him? And so, so John is helpful here in defining for us clearly, objectively, uh, what it really means to know him. And, and I want this to be a gift to you guys, just as is, I think it was a gift to the people who were receiving this from John, to be able to clarify what that means. Because a lot of us allow it to be subjective, and so we will be satisfied by going, yeah, sure. I go to, I go to church. I talked to a young man this last week who um, did an outreach in, in Paulsbo, and, and I came up on these this group of kids, and they were all smoking a bowl and, and just, like, doing whatever they wanted. And, and so we were telling them, you know, about opportunities for them. And, and one of them was like, yeah, I go to church three times a week. Of course I know Jesus. And he said that to me. <laughs> and they're just doing whatever they want. And, and when we, we can do that, right, we can say, of course I know him. But, but the gift of this is it's, it's straight shooting. It cuts through our lies and exposes why we get so dissatisfied in knowing him when it just becomes this false front we have. Of course I'm a Christian. I, I do these Christian things. I know John 3.16. So, First John, uh, if you're not there, please turn, and we're just going to read through this together. First John 2, 3 through 11. 
This is what he writes. He says, We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in him. If anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard. Yet I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you, because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother is still in the darkness. Whoever loves his brother lives in the light and there is nothing in him to make him stumble. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks around the darkness. He does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded him. So, how do you know that you know him? There's three things we're going to go through. The first is, the first point is, so you know him, do you? <laughs> so you know him, do you? And the reason we do this is, uh, the reason we have this point is, because it's very easy to say something. We all, we all know this. Uh, we get this from telemarketers all the time. They'll call uh, for my dad, usually. And, and this is what it sounds like. <laughs> hey, is Dave there? <laughs> this is at the office, right? We get this all the time because we're, we're businesses, so we get telemarketers calling. And, and they, they've trained themselves in that voice of a distant relative, right? So, like, you're like, oh, yeah, is this about the family reunion? Here you go. You know, like, telemarketers, they have the sense of, like, a child with the cat stuck in the tree. You're not going to deny them. And, and so... So it's so convincing that, that we can play that game with one another. So you know them, do you? <laughs> right? And so the, what we should make is a list, and it, we could probably agree with this, a list that, that we could ask people who call who are of the telemarketer sort. Like, <laughs> when did you last spend time together? <laughs> <laughs> What's one of Dave's favorite things to do? <laughs> right? <laughs> what was the best conversation you've ever had with Dave? Right, and if they're like, well, last time we were talking about <laughs> freezers, <laughs> and it was a good time. We just had a good time, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, so there, there are these tests that we go through, and, and John here does the same thing. And there's there's two things he mentions that that are tests to if we really know him or not. And the first is is simply this: you obey his commands, and the second is that you are like him. The first is that you obey his commands, and the second is that you like him. The hard thing about obeying his commands is, is obeying his commands, the commands of, of God are not something that we come up with, but it's something that he comes up with, and we have to decide whether we're going to obey them or not. The commands of God are not something that you come up with um, and decide, oh, I'm going to offer this to him, I'm going to do this, and it's going to be pleasing to him, but the commands of God are something that he communicates to you, and you have to decide... Do I trust him to do this or not? It's an act of submitting to authority. It's not an, an, an act of, of asserting your own authority. And there's incredible humility to that. Do you obey the commands of God? 
do you see God as having authority? Or in this relationship, do you still maintain authority? What this does is it puts Jesus in the place of Lord in your life and moves you beyond the ability just to say, I like him. So oftentimes when we talk to people about, do you know Jesus or not? It's, well, I like him. I like him well enough to, yeah, sure, we know one another. But it's not a matter of that. Do you, as a matter of daily practice, hear what he's communicating, receive what he's communicating, and do what he's communicating for you to do? Or, when we hear the commands of God, do we reject that, rebel against that, but go, but I, I like him. He's a likable character. Because according to this, you can't say, I know him, if you just like him. You have to actually act out obedience to him. And that's crazy. The second thing is, and these, these are... are these are hard when they, they hit our ears because we go, how is this possible? Um, the second one is this. You must be like him. 1 John 2, 6, which we just read, was a verse that while I was in high school, this hit me like a ton of bricks. Growing up in a Christian home, and I think if you are somebody who maybe has been familiar with it for a long time, this was a, a really helpful clarifier for me because... Uh, you know, growing up, I'm a Christian because that's what I do. And then, and then when I f- first read 1 John 2, 6, I remember just being stunned by it. If you claim to know Jesus, you must walk as Jesus did. And immediately I thought, well, this guy walked on water. He, like, walked to his crucifixion. He walked out of the grave. <laughs> Those are pretty impressive steps to take. <laughs> but if you claim to know Jesus, you must walk as Jesus did. Gandhi, uh, who, who we know from his, his work of liberation in, in India, was very famous for saying this, um, I like your Christ, but I do not like your Christians because your Christians are not like your Christ. And, and that, that's a powerful statement, right? For us who read this, if you claim to know him, you must walk as Jesus did. And then for someone on the outside looking and go, I like Jesus, but I, I don't like what I see in those who are claiming to follow him because they're not, they're not like him. They don't walk in his steps. If you claim to know him, you must walk as Jesus did. What's incredible about this is that, that God is just holding us to the same standard that they held Jesus to. And I want to show you guys this if, you're in your, if you have Bibles with you. Um, turn with me to John 5. Not 1 John. I'll be back to John. It's the fourth book in the New Testament. John 5, starting in, in verse 19. And Jesus says this, he says, I tell you the truth, the Son, referring to himself, can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees the Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, 
the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and show him all he does. Yes, to your amazement, he will show him even greater things than this. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Who, he who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. 24, he says, I tell you the truth, whoever hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He is crossed over from death to life. And so what, what Jesus is asking us to do in obeying his words, in seeing the way he lives, and in imitating that, what's so cool about this is we look at the life of Jesus and we see what he did and how he lived was watching the Father and imitating the Father. And so when he says, if you claim to know him, you just walk as Jesus did, the way we validate if you're a Christian or not is your likeness to Jesus. And the way we validate Jesus as being God is his likeness to him. So, you go, so Jesus is saying, when you see me, and he says this later in John 14, we'll get to it, he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Right? And how many of us can say, if you've seen me, you've seen Jesus. Because if you claim to know him, you must, you must walk as Jesus did. And so it's not these subjective things like, I'm a Christian you know, because I like Jesus. It's, what's the pattern of your life? Are you obeying his commands? Are these things you take seriously? Do you take seriously, like we said earlier, do you take seriously what God takes seriously? God took sin seriously, so he sent Jesus. God took the problem of sin so seriously he sent his son who, to love the world and give himself for the world. And now, now God is commanding us to love and give of ourselves also. And are we doing that? Because I think a lot of us wrestle with this question, do I know him? Because we don't actually ever walk in the patterns or, or challenge ourselves to, to go, man, what, what is he calling us to do? So we, we live lives that, that lack definition. John 14, if you just turn a couple... Chapters over to John 14. Philip, one of Jesus' disciples, says to him in John 14, he says, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough. And Jesus says to him, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show me the Father? Don't you believe that I I'm in the Father, and that the Father is in me. The words I say to you are not just my own, rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. <laughs> what would it be like if you were like, like, buddy, you keep saying, show me Jesus, and the way I'm living, the reason why I'm living the way I do is because it's him in me. <laughs> it's not me. Or, or is it the opposite, where you're like, no, don't look at me. <laughs> look at Jesus. And Jesus is like, no, I'm, I'm saving you. I'm, I'm healing you. I'm loving you. I'm showing myself to you, my worth to you that will fill in everything you sacrifice, everything you give up. That as you live and people see you, they can see me. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. 
And so what Jesus does here is translates this to us. He goes, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, because I do what the Father wants. And then immediately, he always is doing this translation work to go, and now this is what's happening to you. <laughs> I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. Right? They'll walk in such a way that calls attention to God. <laughs> and you know what's so cool about this is it's, it, it, it rejects the subjectivity that we allow faith to be. Well, what does it mean to be I don't know what it means to be a Christian. <laughs> what, it means, what it means to know him is to take seriously his command and to walk like Jesus did. So, how do we do this? How do we do this impossible thing? And so we go to the next part of 1 John, where, where what he is saying in verse 7, he says, I'm not writing you a new commandment, but an old one, which you've had since the beginning. In, in verse 8, though, he says, yeah, I'm writing you a new command. And so, so how, do we, how do we work with this? How, how do we do this impossible thing? He goes, well, well first of all, he's, I'm not telling you something new. Right? So this first point, right? So you know him, do you? And the second point is this old and this is new. And it's old because God isn't changing ever since the beginning, ever since he revealed in the Old Testament what he wants is he wants a relationship with you, right? And he, and he describes that. He consolidates all the commandments into love the Lord your God. How do you fulfill the commandments? Love the Lord your God with everything in you and then love your neighbor as yourself. Love the Lord your God with everything within you and love your neighbor as yourself. And this isn't anything new. This is what we've always been saying. But, but this is what's new. He goes, I'm telling you something new because it's made visible in two ways. This is what he says right here in verse 8. He says, I'm giving you a new commandment. Its truth is seen in him and is seen also in you. So the new part of this commandment, which is so cool, is this. <laughs> what's new is that you've seen it in Jesus. You've seen it work out. So when we look at Jesus, we can see someone who loved God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength and loved their neighbors themselves. It's made visible in Jesus. So if you read the Old Testament, you're like, this is impossible. This, they kept failing at this. And so what's new? What's new is we, we saw God himself take the challenge become flesh, live before us, and we can see Jesus and the way he lived and the way people liked him. Right? They would invite him to their home. Like, Jesus, tell me about life. Tell me what I should do. I want to hear from you. Your words are life. And so we get to see in him. But the second part is this, which is so powerful, is that it's made visible in you also. And it's made visible in you because of this. Because the commands which seem impossible, get this, if you, if you get anything, get this. The commands which seem impossible, but they're so good, which is this, love God and love people. Love God and love people. And though that's so good, it is so impossible. And the reason why it's new and seen in Jesus and can be seen in us is because it is God-enabled. He's not just tossing it out there like, well, once you shape up, once you do this, then you can know me. But he's enabling it. Turn to John 15. 
if you will. And this, So John 15, verse 5, he says, I'm the vine. He's using poetic imagery here. I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Remain in me and I will be in you and you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Go down to verse 9, and this is, this is so cool. He says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. So, when we hear these two commandments, which seem so beautiful, but so impossible, how do we, how do we know God? Well, we know him by loving him and being in a relationship with him. But how does he enable that? He shows it in Jesus, abide in me. How did Jesus do it? He abided in the Father. He heard from the Father. He submitted himself to the will of the Father. And this is what's being offered to you. As the Father has loved Jesus and enabled him and equipped him to do all that he was called to do, Jesus is loving you, equipping you, enabling you. And if you keep trying to do it by your own strength, you're not going to be able to do it. Okay, verse 10, if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Man, this is so good. In Galatians 6, in Galatians 5.16, it simply says, walk by the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit so you won't think about how to gratify the desires of your own nature. So do you know him? Well, do you obey his commands? Do you walk like he did? Remember, this is something that from the very beginning has been offered to you. This is the only way. This is the only way. But then we see it in Jesus. And when you see what you see happening in Jesus as we talk so beautifully about him and we love him, what you see happening in his life is being made available to you. So he's not just calling you to walk as he did, but he's saying, he's saying, let me love you and let me equip you and show you how to live. This is so powerful. The last thing is this. He gives an illustration and an example of how this plays out because some of this might be kind of cerebral unless we give an example. And the example he gives is, so, if you claim to know him, you can't hate your brother. And you might think, that, that's weird. <laughs> because God, I love you, I just hate him. <laughs> right? Like, we're fine. <laughs> it's just, that guy's screwed up. <laughs> And God's saying, you can't do that. Why? Why would God say that as evidence of whether you know him or not? And this is why. Because God loves your brother. God doesn't just love you. 
And so when you say, I love you, but I am rejecting them, God's going, wait, that's not my heart. How can you say, you know me, but you don't share my heart? And my heart is to call all people to myself from all over the earth, (laughs) every country on earth. I'm calling people to myself. And the people you're hating, I'm loving, okay? Matthew 25, which is so powerful, so beautiful, Jesus says, to these, the sheep who have, who have done his will, who have known him as they've lived on earth. He says, uh, he says, come and enjoy my home. Come enjoy heaven. And they go, why do we deserve that? And he goes, because what you did to the least of these, you did to me. Right? What's going on out there is our problem because it's God's problem that he's taken on to love the world, to give himself for the world, and God's calling us to love the world and also give ourselves for the world. There's a a story I remember really clearly um, from a pastor who uh, said when he was in seminary, he was asked to teach a marriage class. He was married at the time. Um, It's really weird to teach marriage classes if you're not married. Just a word from experience. And uh, and so he was teaching this class, and, and he, says he, re- he remembered there was this one couple that had a lot of tension going on, and, and as he talked through it with them, one of the, the um, people in this relationship was just holding on to hatred towards uh, their mom, right? And, and he says, he, he remembered sharing with her, you will not overcome the challenges that you're facing right now unless you learn to forgive and love. You won't. And, and that, he says, of that situation, he says that caused such tension and such a rift that that couple left and never came back. And he goes, at that moment, he goes, I had to decide whether I was going to hold to the truth of Scripture or just appease them and keep them in the class. He goes, but at what moment will we say, I can't just say I know him. I can't just say, oh yeah, Jesus and me, we're, we're close. But I'm holding on to hatred or dislike. I'm, I'm rejecting the poor and the needy who God loves and is wanting us to be generous with. Right? I can't say I know him if I'm doing that. Just some things I wrote down. Are you careless with those around you? Do you neglect your family? And James actually says you're worse than an unbeliever if you neglect your family. And basically what he means by that is like, you're lying to yourself. If you're neglecting your family, but saying, I know him, he goes, that's not matching up. Is your heart filled with hatred? Do you gossip? Do you slander? Are you selfish and do you neglect the poor? Are you uh, dishonest in the way you deal with money? Do you cheat on your taxes? All those things. He goes, how does this match up? Because what the Bible is doing is it's, it's clarifying the way we should live. It's not going, just say you like him and live subjectively. It's saying, I'm going to show you the right way to go. Walk in it. And what will satisfy you and keep your joy strong, what is going to give you the happiest life, is because you're going to be walking right along with Jesus. And what Jesus doesn't promise is an easy life. What he says is, do you see how I lived? Do you see how I walked towards the cross? Do you see how I did what the Father asked me to do? (laughs) And it says in, in Hebrews 12, and, and for the joy set before him, he did that. If we can embrace that joy, what we're called to do is what? Pick up our cross and follow. Go with him. And that will be, that will be 
the incredible rewarding life of knowing God is when you count all other things lost and embrace him. And that's what it means to be a Christian. So, how do we, how do we apply this? Well, first, you can't fool God. You can fool me. You can fool your church. You can fool your family, maybe even, saying you know him. But, but as you look into your heart, do you obey his commands? Do you read the Bible and say, God, what are you saying? I want to do that. And do you walk like he does? Um, I encourage us as a church, how do we respond to this? Um, I believe how we respond to this as a church is that we are a church that is honest. Um, That's what I long for. You know, a lot of times we let really little things get to us, like there wasn't song, there wasn't, you know, lyrics for one of the songs. Do we let that get to us? Like, oh, this is a crappy church. Didn't even know what we were singing, right? Or are we people that are like, man, I've come to know Jesus. I've come to know him, right? That's what I want. I'm going to let all those things be periphery. Why? Because I want to know him. Let's be honest about this. Let's pursue him and let it be clear. What it means to know him is opening his word and saying, teach me, and I will walk in that way because I've come to trust you, God. And that's why John starts with remember. Remember what we've heard from the beginning, what has been seen to you, what's made visible, and what we've shared together. At some point, for most of you, I could sit down and go, I've heard your story. Maybe I was part of it at the beginning, right? Maybe I got to see when you first came to know Jesus. Maybe I've talked with you at a hard point and you were like, Jesus is so good. It's so worth it. And now you find yourself being in a distance from him. You feel like you're a good half mile away. And, and so when you, when you talk about him, it's like, oh, that Jesus over there. Let's be honest people to go, let's walk in step with the Spirit. But if we're, can we be honest even with one another to be able to say, Friend, next to me in my chair. I have not been close with him. Let's pray together. Let's be restored to fellowship with him. Can we obey him together? Because that, guys, that will be powerful if we don't let these small little things govern our lives. But we let this big thing govern our lives, to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, strength, to love our neighbor as yourself, but to do that because you're just walking with him. And that, that is the happiest life possible. Pray with me. Guys, we, we hope that, that in all of our hearts today, there'd be, um, there'd be just the statement, I want to know him. <laughs> um, I pray as we leave today, that would be clear what we mean when we say that. I think oftentimes when we say that, God, you know our hearts. You know when we say that, oftentimes it means um, I want a better life after I die or maybe something like that. Um, But that knowing you means now. Being able to hear your voice and, and walk the way you're directing us to walk. That we can do that because you've given us your spirit which is powerful and reminds us of truth. God, I pray this can just be a church that loves you and loves your truth, that gently and with compassion we can hold one another accountable to your truth. 
And we can grow in that, God. And just the beauty would be so evident to the whole community that walking in righteousness is the best way. And we just love you and we pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.